0: Glory to Jesus Christ. Glory to Christ, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. This great feast of our Lord, the Transfiguration, or in the Greek, the Metamorphosis, of our Lord, is, of course, one of the great feasts. It is one of, uh, on par with Theophany, and of course, as the offering is an echo of Pascha, so this great feast of the transfiguration of our Lord is an echo of Pascha. I don't know about you, but when I was growing up and encountering this particular part of the Gospel, uh, the way that I basically understood it was Jesus kind of like lifting the veil, as it were, just kind of like, see, I'm God. To the Apostles, And that was about what I got from it. One of the blessings of attending the services of the church, if you do not have the time or the downtime to be able to sit through uh, and start reading the fathers about something like the transfiguration, because the transfiguration, especially in the Greek-speaking fathers of the church, is a major uh, place of commentary. Uh, you don't have the time or the attention to do it. If you come to the services, you actually, the church has done a good editing job and presents to you many of the insights of the fathers. Of course, not all of them, but it presents to you, this is what the church believes about the transfiguration. And like many events of Christ, uh, Christ's life and our own life of scripture, What I picked up as a kid, of course, granted, I was a kid, right? You only get so much when you're a kid, and you grow. But this is one of those feasts that just reverberates and resounds with so many uh, variations or angles that you can come at it. Just the difference between Matthew and Luke. Tomorrow morning, we'll have the Gospel of Matthew, that has this account. Tonight, for the Matins portion, we did the Lukean account. And there is a difference. There's a few differences between Matthew and Luke. Uh, One of them, Matthew says, after six days, Jesus took them up on the mountain. Did anyone remember what Luke told us? It wasn't six. Eight. That's probably a good seven or eight would have been good guesses, right? good nice biblical numbers. St. Gregory Kalama spins paragraphs talking about why six and why eight. Eight, because of course, the number eight in the Fathers of the Church is the entrance into eternity. It is the day after the completion of seven. It is the first and eternal day. Six, of course, is creation, and we're coming up to 7, because what does Christ reveal to his apostles? It's not just that he's going to glow like the sun, right? That's pretty impressive as it is, but what is he revealing to them in this piece? The resurrection? But before the resurrection, what is he talking about with Moses and Elijah? Luke tells us this, Matthew doesn't tell us this. What? come on, Miles. His exodus. His, his Exodus. His departure. His departure. His Exodus. What does that mean? His crucifixion. When Christ is revealed to his apostles, he's showing them the glory of God. And what is the glory of God that we know from the Gospel of John? It is Christ crucified. Because what does he tell them? Don't tell anybody about this until after the resurrection. Tomorrow in the sermon, I'm going to flesh this out a little bit more, but you get with our Lord, he's, describing, he's talking with Moses and Elijah. Why Moses and Elijah? The law and the, prophets. the law and the prophets, right? There's a beautiful hymn that we sang during the Apostate. David, the ancestor of God, foreseeing in the spirit from afar, the sojourn with men of the only begotten son of the flesh. Called creation together because he could see Christ. He calls creation together and he prophetically lifts up his voice with all of creation to say, Tabor and Hermon shall rejoice in thy name. David saw the same thing that Moses and Elijah and Isaiah and Jeremiah and Ezekiel, what they all saw. When we're reading from Exodus, what does it say that Moses did with God? He spoke spoke face-to-face with him. I don't know about you, but when I was growing up, it was just like Moses kind of went up there and it was just a cloud. And God, like, spoke to him. Scripture says something very different. It's not a metaphor. The fathers don't think this is a metaphor. He spoke face-to-face with him. So when we get to Mount Tabor, what do we have? We have them speaking face to face. (laughs) Moses and Jesus. Now why Elijah? Somebody said the prophets. Why Elijah? You said greatest of the prophets, right? Say that again. Living in the dead. Living in the dead, yes. There's something else with Elijah. (laughs) Mount Hermon. What happens with Elijah? we have from the Old Testament reading, right? He's taken up in a chariot of fire, so he didn't actually die in the way any of us die. There's a lot of things in Elijah. There's a reason why he's called the greatest, right? Where does he have the big con- contest of faith with the prophets of Baal? It's am not right? When he is, the, the reading that we had, he is taken up on a mountain, and he sees... The backside, like God, Christ, walking past him. We have David in our hymnody. This is what I was talking about. The hymnody teaches us David saw Jesus Christ and he calls all of creation to rejoice. This turns upside your idea, like when I'm reading the Psalms, I need to be able to know that I'm seeing Christ in the Psalms that David foresaw, that Moses foresaw, not in some kind of abstract way, but they saw Jesus. This is why it is so hard for the apostles, Luke tells us, to stay awake. Matthew doesn't tell us that, but... And that as we hear in the hymnody and see in the icon of course coming from Scripture, that they are struck, right? It's just like Sinai. There's thunder. There is this incredible revelation of Jesus to them. This is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. This is the God of Moses, Elijah, Isaiah, Jeremiah. This is the God of Peter, James, and John. And this is the same God of you and me, who reveals Himself to us. That all of creation rejoices to see, because what is what does Paul tell us about creation? It groans for the liberation of you and me. And so David calls creation together to sing praises, to rejoice, because today in this feast we see. Nature, human nature, reveling in freedom. The Pascha hasn't happened, right? The crucifixion and the resurrection hasn't happened. Because Christ has healed human nature and it is then after crucifixion and resurrection that we all have access to that freedom that he has given to us. This is why we are singing. This is a day of rejoicing. This is a day to come together with Moses and Elijah, to be struck dumb, as it were, like Peter, James, and John. And maybe we're going to say some things like Peter that we don't really know what we're saying, but we're like trying. It's very Peter, right? Like, why don't we, you know, figure out some way you guys can stay here and hang out, and we can do some temples and tabernacles. We can figure this out. This is the revelation of God's promise to us that he will bring us back to the relationship that Adam originally had with him. All of creation rejoices in the Lord's revelation of the end of all creation, the light, the life, life eternal in the bosom of God the Father, the relationship that Jesus has with God the Father that we share in in the power of the Holy Spirit. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Tomorrow we will have, uh, after the...